Welcome to City Church. We are a biblically-based, relationally-driven, spirit-led church, encouraging everyone to follow Jesus, grow together, and serve others. We're excited to share this sermon with you today, and you can always find out more about us online at citychurchseville.com. Well, happy Mother's Day. Let's try that again. Happy Mother's Day. So listen, um, this sermon is part of a sermon series entitled Eastertide. And Eastertide is the 50 days that extend between uh, Easter Resurrection Sunday morning and then Pentecost Sunday morning, which is two Sundays from now. And by the way, my son will be preaching Pentecost Sunday, and so I'm excited about that. But we have been taking seven Sundays to process through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection on Easter, and then taking a look at what Jesus did in resurrected body, in his ministry in resurrected body through the 50-day period between Easter and Pentecost Sunday, which again is in two Sundays. Now, at the outset of this sermon, normally in the, in the message, I will have a very definitive feet to your faith how you live this out practically. What does it look like to take what the sermon is about and to practically live it out? And this sermon's different. There are going to be more thoughts, and there's going to be more feet to your faith throughout the message. So I just wanted to make mention of that. Now, what I did in preparing for this, um, this Mother's Day sermon is not only did I study the passage that we're going to focus on, but I went back and I looked at all the sermons that I've preached for Mother's Day over the last 22 years here at City, and I went back and looked at all of those that I have notes for, and I discovered on every one of them I have quotes by famous people about mothers. So here we go again. Here's some fresh ones. Here's some new ones. First one's by Rudyard Kipling, someone who gets quoted a lot. Here's what Rudyard Kipling said. God could not be everywhere and therefore he made mothers. Now, theologically, he's absolutely wrong, but practically, he's right. Next, a mother is she who can take the place of all others, but whose place no one else can take. That was by Gaspard Mermald. Next, by a fellow UVA student, go Wahoos, Here's a quote. Because I feel that in heaven above, the angels whisper to one another, confined among their burning terms for love, none so devotional as that as mother. That's Edgar Allan Poe. My favorite author that I love to read and most quoted often about any subject is Mark Twain. Here's what Mark Twain said. My mother had a great deal of trouble with me, but I think she enjoyed it. <laughs> Speaking of which, in just a few moments, my favorite quote from my mother is going to be up on the screen. Mom, hello, I know you're watching online. But my mom raised three boys out on a farm. We lived a pretty isolated life. And so I was the youngest of three. By the way, I'm adopted. But the three of us grew up on a farm. Well, in Wisconsin, it is freezing cold about 10 and a half months out of the year. And so you have to find things to do. 
So what we did on our farm is we put a ping pong table inside our barn and we would have the longest tournaments of ping pong you've ever seen because the truth of it is there was nothing else to do. But here's what I did. My oldest brother, Fred, who is about six years older than me, whenever I beat him in ping pong, I would uh, sing out loud or hum out loud that Olympic theme song. Dun, da, dun, da, dun, da, dun. And I would do it over and over again if I beat him until he had that look in his eyes and he would want to kill me, basically. And so how it would work, I remember there was this one time we're playing ping pong and I beat him in a ping pong tournament and I started to do that and he looked at me and said, don't do that. And I just kept singing and then I find, I see the look in his eyes, oh no, I'm gonna die so I'm running around the ping pong table and I usually could outrun him so the goal was, was to run around the ping pong table, he couldn't get to me and then I would exit out of the barn and run for my life. It was worth it, to be honest with you. Well, on this unfortunate day, I played ping pong, I beat Fred in ping pong, I sang the Olympic theme song again, he was irate, he began to chase me around the table, and I took off running to exit out of the barn. Well, as you exit out of our barn, the milk room was straight ahead with a door, the exit to the barn was off to the left, and I went to turn to go out running full speed, and he grabbed my shoulder and moved me straight ahead, and my head was down, I was running as fast as I could, and I hit the milk room door with my head, and I kind of spun in there and I spun around and I sat down on the ground and when I looked up by the look on his face I knew something was wrong and I had cracked the top of my head open and so he said don't move I'm going to go get mom and this is where the quote comes in here's the quote from my mother I know how to sew but I cannot sew that now come and eat a cookie that's the quote from my mother so just you know my mother was a uh, self-trained professional seamstress. She actually made my dad's business suits. She was very gifted at that. And so when she said, I know how to sew, but I cannot sew that, I knew there was a problem. <laughs> Famous quote by my mom. By the way, that quote is filled with wisdom and compassion. Two things that mothers tend to have a lot of. Moving on in quotes, Abraham Lincoln. No man is poor who has a godly mother. And then Proverbs 31.30, which, by the way, was taught to a king by his mother. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. What I want us all to do is take just a moment and I want you to think about mom and or I want you to take a moment and think about the women in your life who have influenced you and supported you along life's way. I want you to take a moment, kind of close your eyes, think about mom and or take a moment to think about the women in your life who have influenced or supported you along life's path. Take a moment to do that. The biblical story we're getting ready to look at is a story that's built around women who influenced, loved, and supported Jesus. And so what we're going to do now is we're going to read the text that I've been drawn to for this Mother's Day, 
And it has to do with Jesus on the cross. John chapter 19, verses 23 through 30. Here's what the text tells us. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes, divided them into four shares, one for each of them with the undergarment remaining. This garment was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. Let's not tear it, they said to one another. Let's decide by lot who will get it. This happened that the scripture might be fulfilled. They divided my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. So this is what the soldiers did. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, woman, here's your son, and to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. And a jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it up to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Ladies, this sermon is specifically towards you, but men, you can eavesdrop and I pray you will. What's fascinating about John's gospel is it tells us clearly there are four soldiers that execute Jesus. Everything he owned, his clothes, were split into four separate piles, and so there were four soldiers. What's interesting to note in the gospel of John, John's very specific, there are four women who are there supporting Jesus. And what's fascinating in the Gospel of John, there are 27 pairs of women than men, women than men, and honestly, most of the time, they are contrasted against each other, and the women are the symbol of what faith should look like. Here at the cross, we have four men who are against Jesus, and there are four women who are for him. There's no mistake this is what John is trying to say. Now, what's interesting in the Bible, especially in the life of Jesus, how often the Bible's very specific about women. Interestingly enough, we not only get a pretty detailed list at the cross of Jesus, but we also get a detailed list of his disciples in Luke chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. I want us to read it. It says, the 12 were with him. Now, those are the 12 men, the 12 disciples, and also some women. It's fascinating. There are women who are disciples of Jesus as well, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household. Susanna, and many others. So there were other women as well that aren't mentioned. These women were helping to support them out of their own, own means. 
So what we find at the beginning of the ministry of Jesus, the Gospel of Luke tells us clearly there were women who were disciples, but they were also supporting the ministry of Jesus financially. Now what's interesting in this list, the one we just read, is that there's two specific women named, and I believe there's a reason. The first is Mary Magdalene. She had seven demons. She had a difficult life spiritually. The Bible's clear that when you have a difficult life spiritually, especially demonic possession, that life is extremely hard. It's also mentioned in that list, there's Joanna. Her husband is Herod's right-hand man. So on the one hand, we have Mary Magdalene, who has a very rough, difficult life. And then the gospel tells us clearly that there is a, another woman who's from the upper status of life. Her husband is politically connected. No doubt she's wealthy and comes from a powerful existence. So the gospel's letting you know at the beginning the Gospels are for all women, for those who've had difficult, challenging lives, to those whose lives have been filled with success, the Gospel is for each one. But the focus of this sermon is on John chapter 19, verse 25. When we first read this verse, it seems so simple, and it seems like it's not profound. John 19, 25. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. There are four women. Take a moment now and just close your eyes and think about with sanctified imagination the scene of the crucifixion. And you've got these four women standing there. The text is clear. There are four. His mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. I don't think words could ever express what that moment must have been like. Let's begin with Mary, the mother of Jesus. Notice in John 19, 25, it doesn't say her name. It says his mother. That's how she's framed, his mother. Well, what's interesting to note is that Mary is Jesus' mother, but not just his. Matthew chapter 13, verses 54 through 57, tell us clearly that Jesus has other siblings, in other words, she had other children. Here's what the text says. Coming to his hometown, meaning Jesus, he began teaching the people in the synagogue and they were amazed. Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers, they asked. Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Aren't all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things and they took offense at him? I want you to notice in the Bible that Jesus is the oldest son of Mary, but he has other brothers 
and other sisters. So Mary there is his mother, but also she's the mother of other children as well. The other thing that I've thought about with the list of women that are at the cross, they cover every station of life for a lady, everyone. Because not only is Mary a mother, she's also a widow. We don't know when or how, but we do know that Joseph disappears from Scripture after Jesus is 12 years old. After the age of 12, we never hear of Joseph again. So what we know is that Mary is a widow. Not only this, she's a single mother. We don't know how old Jesus was when Joseph moves out of his life and passes away. But many believe it wasn't long after he turned the age of 12 that Joseph passed. So picture this. Jesus was raised by a single mom. So in Mary, what we see is we see that she's a mother, she's a widow, and a single mother. Now what's interesting to note is that when you think about Mary being at the foot of the cross and looking up at Jesus, there's no possible way she could have ever known the struggle that was coming. She couldn't have known I've watched moms that are close to me struggle with similar things where there's a plan for their child and their child seems to be taking a different path. And even though the mother knows God's in that path, there can be a struggle. I think of a great quote from a woman that mentored my wife when we lived at Princeton. Her name was Mary Ann Vogley. And Mary Ann Vogley said to my wife once the following, Being a mother is all about giving your children the tools to live life and then learning daily how to let go. That's not easy. But again, when we look at our story in Mary, we have a mother, a widow, and a single mother. We have all three. And then the text tells us that not only is Jesus' mother there, but so is his mother's sister. There at the cross of Jesus, you've got Jesus' mother, and her sister is there with her. I pray every woman in this room and online has a sister like that. Not every sister will be natural. The Bible speaks of sisters in Christ. But here Mary has a sister who is there with her in the midst of her grief. And I pray for every lady from the youngest to the oldest that ever hears this sermon that you have a sister. Someone that is with you in the best of times. And someone that will walk through the valley of the shadow of death with you. And oh, by the way, the way to find a sister like this is to be that for someone else. That's how you find it. Ladies, putting feet to your faith, you become this kind of a sister for someone else. You bless them. So we have Mary's sister. Then what we have is Mary, the wife of Clopas. 
She's the third one mentioned. Very simply put, she's a wife. And then last but not least, we have Mary Magdalene. She's single. How do we know she's single? Well, it's simple. In the ancient world, you don't have last names. They don't exist. Defining who you are is somehow, in differentiating you, is somehow always put to something else. That's why she's called Mary Magdalene. She's from Migdal. Notice the other woman at the cross. Her name is Mary, the wife of Clopas. If she'd been married, her husband's name would have been given. She isn't. She's single. So to denote who she is and to separate her from the other Marys, she's Mary of Migdal. So picture what we have at the cross and how amazing this is. At the cross of Jesus, ladies, catch this. At the cross of Jesus, in one verse, we have a widow, a single mother, a sister, and a wife, and a single lady. All of them are at the cross of Jesus. All of them are included in the gospel story. So ladies, I want to encourage you. Don't live in the phase of life you're in as a lady and spend it all longing for the next phase. Know that in God's word, each phase of being a woman is clearly denoted at the most important event of Jesus' life. Whether you're a widow, a single mother, a mother, a sister, a wife, or you're single. You're included in the gospel story, and you're important to the story of God in this world. Learn how to live into the moment. I think too often we can end up longing for a different phase. Learn how to live in this one fully. And in the final text reading that we had for this morning, we ended with what seems rather odd. I want to read it again. It says, later knowing that everything had now, uh, later knowing that everything had now been finished, and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. And a jar of wine vinegar was there. So they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. You know what's interesting about that story is two things and how it ends. The first one is, most commentators say it was the Roman soldiers that lifted the sponge, but one commentator disagrees. He thinks it's Mary. That Mary and her friends are the ones that go and take the sponge and they lift the wine vinegar to the lips of Jesus to give him compassion and give him relief. I'd never seen it that way before. But here's what I do know. Jesus' ministry began in John chapter 2 with his mother and jars of water that became wine. It was her insistence 
that caused him to step into his earthly ministry. He told her in John chapter 2, Woman, my time has not yet come. And she, as a good mother, saw the timing for his life and twisted his arm. And he stepped into his earthly ministry. I think John is letting you know that a jar of water becomes wine and his mother is there at the beginning of his ministry and here again now at the end of his earthly ministry, his mother and a jar of wine is there again. Jesus' life has now come to a close and his mother has been a part of all of it. Ladies, in putting feet to your faith, if we look at the life of Mary, here's what we know. As you follow Jesus, you will experience the best of times and you will also experience the darkest of times. From the wedding at Cana where the miracle happens that launches Jesus' ministry to the wine vinegar in a jar at his cross, the darkest of times. But what every lady needs to know is that God includes a woman in all of it. Would you stand with me as we close in prayer? As we stand together to close in prayer, I'd like all of us to close our eyes in God's presence. For the ladies, Jesus sees you in your unique phase of being a woman. Whatever phase that is, whether it's widowhood, being a single mother, you're a sister, you're a wife, or you're single, Jesus sees you exactly where you're at. And know this, that no matter what phase of womanhood you are in, you are included in the gospel story and the life and ministry of Jesus. You are blessed. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for each lady that is in this sanctuary and worshiping with us online. Let each woman know the love and the grace and the mercy that's expressed on the cross of Christ. Jesus, with your grace, Bring each woman to the foot of your cross. In Jesus' name, amen.